you've got the ability now, you've got mm. a fancy computer, and it can make a universe. Yes. But it there's that, that pre-Big Bang state you're in. Yes. But you have to give it the core first, the first programming line that gives it a rule that by which it I don't know. What what is yours? Let me hear yours. Yeah, so it's saying one and zero. Yes. So I've tried to, I, I once heard about a very, very smart Indian boy from a village who somehow stumbled across some math book and turned it, it became some yeah, genius I, in math. Yeah, I remember that. I saw that. And he said, God is one and zero. And I, I didn't understand it, so I learned a bit more about what he was saying. But at the time, I was quite young and I didn't appreciate the, the sentiment. And now I have more attachment to what that means yeah that without one and zero the opposite it's hard to really frame anything hard this is yes that's, so it's a one yeah, yeah. and then zero not a one yeah well they're all ones because air particles yeah right? <laughs> i get you and though, then there's like smaller ones but it keeps yeah. breaking, down. breaking down infinitely yeah yeah but it's just that that core rule is this opposite Men and women, mm. even though that, that's even, uh, I think I was listening to someone saying how there's so many more states of this, you know, hermaphrodites yes. and like people don't know. So there's like in between, yes. but there's still infinitesimally there's opposites yes. because there's smaller opposites happening and yeah. mixed, but there's still this contradiction and it's just so hard. It's like a dichotomy. Yeah. yeah it's so hard to even think about that not about to picture another way of their being mm. and i think that's that fourth dimension it's just beyond anyone i've ever heard speak or read about being able to describe a reality where that's not the core fundamental yeah but the thing is it's the only thing we've experienced right yeah that's that so when i tell you to imagine something you've never experienced you will never yeah. be able to imagine because you're only making images based on things you've seen you know the nicest way i've ever heard that put forward mm. is um describe the sun to someone who is born blind yeah you can't you can't yeah you can't and the, the, there's there's a i love the i wish there was more money in experiments and papers in this region and from a purely selfish point of view i would like to be able to do that type yeah, of stuff yeah. and if all this you stuff happens it. in the west i could but there's no money in it so i've got to pay the bills the eu is not paying itself so so here's what you do you find another venture that can make you filthy rich and then you can fund this yeah you know i <laughs> wish i wish money had been my driving factor in life that's such a sad statement if, if i stopped you right there yeah had to just put a period there yeah <laughs> i mean i would have stayed in law if money was the be all yeah, and yeah, end all yeah. uh, but it just it's never really it's never really money comes and goes I'm that's why fast. i'm doing this right it's a passion project i'm yeah. not trying to be lucrative with this i yeah. doubt there's gonna be people watching this i'm pretty sure we're the only ones talking right now but there's something beautiful about it even if there's yeah. nobody watching well, we'll be sharing i'm sure we'll get some, <laughs> we'll get some people i'll like use my digital video on it yeah. so uh what was i saying we're saying uh the, the sun the sun sun there's this beautiful experiment um some scientists or i don't know if they were scientists some people they uh took some congenitively blind adults mm -hmm. 
That means they were born blind, right? Born blind. Yeah. Okay. And some non. Mm-hmm. And they gave them competitive tasks to perform. And at the end of the competitive tasks, the people who were not blind, they celebrated by raising their hands. Like, yeah. What do you think the congenitively blind people did to celebrate the victory? The same thing. They did. Yeah. It's just, it turns out that's part of the human experience. Yeah. It's not something you learn by mm. environment or by seeing. You yeah. just apparently do this. It's inherent. Yeah. And more recent research that I'm trying to follow more of is saying that there's genetic memory. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that's this. some crazy yeah, stuff. It's crazy. Imagine you could unlock memories from your ancestors. Bro. I was thinking something similar to this. It's... Well, not very similar, but somewhat similar. Um, what? So why does the body store fat? Mm. It stores fat because the body is getting more food than usual, more calories than usual. And it's in, we're telling the body, the body thinks that we might not, we might go for some time without any of it. That's what yes. we're eating in excess. And so it stores it as fat. Yes. Right. And so we want to store this as energy in case the next day we don't have any food. But the body doesn't know that we're actually just, fat bastards just want to eat <laughs> right it doesn't know that yes i'm saying what if you can find a way some mm. through like maybe some scientific method in the future we make a machine or something that makes you tell your body no i'm just eating this because i'm hungry so get rid of everything yeah everybody would be fit so you, and also you would be a trillionaire <laughs> i feel yeah. like there's a significant amount of biohacking yeah. yeah there's so much this biohacking stuff is nuts yeah. man like mm. it is the future of everything. There's maybe the current. There's, I was going to mention, isn't it crazy that all the things ever since, not the inception, but ever since for, I'll just say inception of technology that Mm. we thought of all the possibilities Mm. that this can go, right? We think about, Oh no, AI first started making some buzz. We're like, Oh, what if machines become armed? Did you see they did it last week? You showed me, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like all these theories we have Mm. that we are trying to avoid Mm. are sort of becoming inevitabilities Mm. that they're going to happen. Mm. Why is it that way? Uh, The the reason I like to ascribe to is every generation builds what they see as kids on Mm sci-fi. Yeah, because things when I was 17, Mm -hmm. I guess, people are making them now. Mm. And whoever is 17 now, whatever crazy things are happening on the cypher thing, that's what's going to be when they're older. Like, yeah, I'm going to be the guy that makes that. Yeah. And I was, I was going to mention this thing because the rate of innovation Mm. is unprecedented with human beings. Yeah. We live in an amazing time. Yeah. The thing is we're not used to it because this is, this is, as I said, unprecedented. It's never happened before. We had the industrial revolution Mm. And then all of a sudden, within a century, we created so much, so, so much that because when we talk about evolution, you talk about what human beings genetically are made of and the genetic memory, for instance, your instincts, we were not prepared for this. We are basically beta testers of this technology. Beautifully said. And I think there's a, well, I don't know, because I'm not a parent. Mm -hmm. I'm not really around. Well, actually, uh, my fiance has a niece. 
Okay. So I'm sort of around children mm. some of the time. Mm. Uh, but her parents are very smart people. So I wonder how much parents are educating their children on how to navigate this world beyond you do you, bro. Mm. And I, for example, do tell my I don't live in the same country as my nephews and nieces. Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they in the Caribbean? Uh, yeah, three of them are. Okay. One's in London. See, I pay attention to your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost creepy, my, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so. my nephew, it's his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Aiden. Happy, happy birthday. Yeah, and uh, he told me uh, some Bermudian won a gold medal in the Olympics. And the reward in Bermuda is you get a national holiday every year named after you. Oh, wow. And a street named after you. I want to move there now. Yeah. What what gold medal did I get, though? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I remember is as a kid, I got a gold medal in school for shot put. Oh, really? They do that here? Yeah, it was in school, though. It wasn't like in the Because I've asked about that. You're the first person who told me, like, we did shot put, javelin, all the Olympic games. Mm. At school, you learned them all. Mm. We did the basic ones. Long jump, um, shot put, and football oh really yeah it's, it was it was just in the school's backyard yeah because they don't do fencing here i, no, I wanted no, to no. do that here but they don't do Very fencing and barring yeah fencing. my school did fencing yeah i thought they looked cool kind of like squid game characters but white yeah or at least or squid game character squid game characters are fencing characters about red let's yeah. say that. To put it that way yeah that, that, that whole thing. well i want to know what were your other questions Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I knew this. Was, I knew like, and I'm glad you thing. wrote this down. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I wrote, Oh wow. I was going to talk about call of the void. I don't know if you've heard of that. I haven't. Please Psychology. I talked about it also a little bit in the past episode, but I said I want to expand on it in a future episode. Um, call of the void. Have you ever had a thought while you're driving your car? Just randomly it's a suicidal, quote unquote, suicidal thought. Like what if I just, or what if I just run into a wall? What if I just, I move the steering to the right or what if or if you're on a roof of a high building and look down like what if, if you have a hunch what if i jump but then you stop yourself like well that's crazy stop don't don't do that have i ever had that yes uh i've had or anything similar alarming thoughts yeah, and, then, and then you had to stop yourself right no like i'll tell you my alarming thought when i'm okay. driving okay. you're a gamer so yeah. you, this will yeah yeah sometimes i wonder if the thing that's happening is really the thing that's happening. Okay. So you know that when you play these driving games, the point of view you get is you get to stare down at two hands, a steering wheel and legs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next time you're driving, look down. And when you see that thing, you're like, wait, it's me. <laughs> is it the I've, game? I've had that. I've no, had that. It's I'm a weird feeling. I was like, when I play video games, right? When I play first person shooters, there's an NPC when you play, there's something called field of view sliders. Okay. So basically, field of view is how much you can the, the monitor can see of the area. Yeah. So usually the number goes from 60 to like 120 okay. degrees, right? So like, you know, cameras have wide angles or yeah. or, or prime lenses or whatever, right? Um, that's actually not an opposite, but whatever. So it's the same thing with when I play video games. Usually when you, when you play first-person first shooters, you see the field of view and the point of view of, of the soldier. Yes. The soldier is carrying the gun. However, like maybe only you can only see his wrist. Yes. And I, and then I look in real life. If I were holding a gun, I can see my wrist, my elbow, my legs. So what what kind of field of view am I in? Am yeah. I, right. And so I think of myself as a video game character. Like yeah. how much can I see 
and versus how much does my character in a video game see and why is it so different and things like that you know it's really interesting that i think at least even now people would probably frown on your reference say i look at myself as a video game character mm. but when you really break that down and you said for someone who it doesn't matter your age even now mm -hmm. but if you took yourself as a video game character and you said all right now i need to score health points happiness points fashion points stamina yeah, yeah. all of this stuff same for video games so i'm going to treat my life like this mm -hmm. i need to earn money and if i do bad i'm going to go to jail yes. if i do good you're going to treat your life probably better than you are now because a lot of people are passengers in their own lives yeah they're they're autopiloting autopiloting yeah, absolutely so and it's often I, the rhetoric i've heard at least are the people who say oh no video games are bad for you i'm like well actually if you treated yourself like the hero of the story you probably have a better time of it i was gonna say one thing also because you talked about what if i do this thing i'm gonna go to jail mm. i think there are only two motivators for a human being Oh, go on. To do every single action you've ever done. Go on. Oh, this is really interesting. Go on. It's either reward or punishment. Reward or punishment. Think about it this way. Yeah. Anything you can think of. Why do you not speed? Right? Why do you not cross the speed limit? It's because you're afraid of getting stopped by a police officer. That's the punishment. And you go to jail. But there's also a reward. I like I speed because I feel good. Uh, Dopamine rush or yeah. whatever. Adrenaline and all that stuff. Why do I work nine to five? The reward is money right the reward or a reward yeah a reward yeah whether money satisfaction yeah. whatever it is yeah helping Any, someone yeah anything there's a reward anything you can think of anything right now i this is a challenge for me to you mm. anything you can think of i can break it down to uh, uh why you do it and why you don't do it mm. okay that it's always sense. going to be punishment and reward punishment reward always if loving a person gets you killed you would not love people <laughs> or you would try your best just to to avoid it maybe something it's innate in us to love but I'm, it's more philosophical but loving someone has its benefits they can do things for me they're loyal they can give me money taking a vow of silence for the rest of your life there's a reward for that what i don't know what monks uh why they do it i'm sure there's a reason why they do it the, the reward the reward doesn't have to be tangible it's, it can be a state of mind Oh, that was a nice answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, because I wanted to go live in an ashram for six months and just be silent for a great part of that. That's, that's your reward. My boy, it was very selfish things. It was to like, just see what happens. Oh, like in, it's a challenge. No, just I wonder what will happen. Like I, I've, you know you're saying we, we only know what we've experienced. Mm -mm. I've never experienced that. Okay. That sounds very selfish. That's like exp exploratory. Um, it's selfish because that puts forward that I have no responsibilities oh, and yeah. I can just decide that my family, I'm not going to speak to you for six months. I'm mm. just going to go live my life alone and pretend mm. you don't exist. So it's mm. quite, um, it's quite self-centered to do something like that because mm. you're pretending that you have no responsibilities to them. Mm. And so that's not cool. So mm. I've never done it. Going back to call the void. Yes. Sorry. You're, you're fine. So it's basically a thought that you've had that can self-harm and then you snap out of it. Yeah. So I think, that I think when I, the first time I abseiled 
Probably. What is that? Uh, it's when you use like stand at the top of something with a rope and jump over the edge. Oh, so okay. I, think I, I remember that being the feeling because it's like this is a bit weird. Yeah. So do you? And then you do, and you're like, Bleh. yeah. It's like, or like, if I had a gun, um, would I? Oh no, don't do that. Right. It's it's it's, it's a very interesting. I know what you mean. Yeah. I just cut my hand. Okay. Two days ago. Okay. And. It was, I think it might even be this thing you're talking about called a void. Mm. So it was in, I was at a photo shoot and I was opening this big umbrella. Mm-hmm. And in this umbrella, there's this weird catch. Okay. If you don't open it right, it'll pinch your finger. Okay. And I was telling myself, just remember, and I've never cut myself on this thing. I've used mm. this thing like maybe a hundred times. Okay. I was telling myself, don't do it the wrong way mm-hmm. because you'll cut yourself. Mm. And I exactly did that. And it was in some weird way that I was aware, but not aware. And it just, I know I'm not supposed to do this. And yet, and I was telling myself just before, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And then I did it. And I was like, what? Think of it in a grand scheme of things. Like in a grand way, your entire building, you have that hunch. Mm. No way you're going to jump. Some people do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if they're suicidal. Mm. I mean, um, for a person who's not suicidal yes. but has this thought you're not yes. gonna do it but 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 it's very very normal mm. for you to think what if i jump you yeah. ask that question and then you snap out of it yeah and i, I want to go off on a tangent the umbrella you mentioned because it doesn't rain a lot in bahrain i'm guessing it's like a light for, for, for the lights, lights. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah um i just like i want to make sure i was, I was yeah, thinking no, right for thing. the lights yeah so call the void so there is no psychological, because you're into psychology, right? Mm. And this is the term for it, because you're getting a call from the void. From mm. you're on you're on the roof. Oh, very nice. You're getting a call, right? Um, Muslims would say it's it's shaitan. It's Satan. Oh, okay, right. That's interesting. Um, but I think I don't think it is, uh, because if you think about the Islamic explanation for shaitan, shaitan wants you to be a bad person. So why would he tell a good person who might who's on this path to go to heaven to let you jump? And, and and then get the reward that he's fighting against because the shaitan's shaitan's goal is to dissuade people to make them bad what does it say in islam about suicide do you end up in heaven because i think people most of the abrahamic religions say you don't go to heaven yeah that's true um i think i don't think it's a definitive answer a lot of people are clerics and scholars they say oh, it's one of them you take an opinion yeah you take an opinion um because you have to think the human human being is such a nuanced and sophisticated being mm. what drove this person to make this decision mm. god will never just put you in hell oh, because of the end result mm. he'll question you why right mm. what if you jump you kill yourself to save your family or something like that does that mean you go to hell still mm. no i don't think it's like um ones and zeros like mm. yeah it's either you do or not but i think it's more of a psychological thing mm. why that happened okay i don't know why the call itself happens like i think it's because it's something you've never experienced before and you want to experience but your brain then runs a simulation in your head it's, it's like if you do this experience you're going, you're going to you're going to die that's why you snap out of it mm. so the way that somebody is theorizing i read some articles on this their theorizing is um once you once you look over the edge of of, of the roof, right, mm. and you want to jump, um, you're at a very dangerous place when it comes to height. Mm. You could die if anything okay. goes wrong. Yeah. When you look down, what the brain does is it recognizes that the ground level ground level is the safest place to be. 
So the brain calculates what's the fastest way to get to the ground. Hmm. It's to jump. But then your survival instincts tells you if you do that, you're going to die. And that's exactly the moment where you snap out of it. How very interesting. You want another cool fact? Yeah, go ahead. So this is something, I don't know if it's 100% true. All right. Yeah, I'm still thinking about what you said. Yeah, this is uh, it's, yeah, it's something I thought about. It's very interesting. Um, think about um, why people get motion sickness in the car. Uh, I, I hope this is true because it's such, a, such an interesting um, argument or explanation. You get motion sickness because, or at least what happens is when you're, when you're in a car, your brain is processing that you're moving. Uh. You're looking at objects moving from this position to this position around you. Uh. So you, you've, your brain concluded that you're moving. However, your brain is also saying, wait, I'm not moving this person. How is he moving? His legs aren't moving. That means this person has been poisoned. He's hallucinating. Uh, Therefore, you get motion sick so you can vomit vomit out. out, Get rid of the the poison. poison. That's a very nice way of thinking about it, isn't it? It's so nice. Yeah, the body's got some crazy reactions when it thinks you've been poisoned. Yeah. Yeah, 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 To remove the toxins. Some some great autopilot stuff carries on that you have no control over. You're just a passenger. Okay, body, this is what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you know... um, you, you, you've brought to mind uh, a narrative I like to tell people about why you, I don't know if this is a common thing or not, a common belief about why you get tired on holiday or you feel tired on holiday, but you don't at home in the same way. Mm. What, 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 have you heard Have you heard anything about this stuff? I've before? never heard anything, but... What's your thoughts? Why I get tired on a holiday? Yeah, doing the same stuff. Like, not like you're... Over there, like abseiling, jumping off mountains, just doing ordinary stuff. You just get more tired on holiday. Like even if I was staying in the same place in my country, not traveling. Or no, anything. I mean traveling. Oh, traveling. Mm. I mean, the first thing is jet lag. It comes to my mind. You can remove the jet lag. Yeah, after jet lag. after that, you've got over your jet lag. Just doing the same stuff, just more tired. I don't think I've ever had that. You haven't. Ever, almost everyone I've spoken to, like if you're going, just... If you're going to a restaurant, you're more tired. Just generally, and the people maybe are, I don't travel that much. However, right? I did travel to America a lot for for college. No, no, it can't be. To, oh, sorry, the bit of that it can't be to someone you've gone like to new places. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe because I don't even first time I went to America, I never felt tired. You didn't? I think because I was excited for college. I was very oh, young, seventeen. So interesting. So the people I've spoken to about this is uh, if you're going out for dinner. Or if you're just going out to do ordinary things that you do at home, you just, everything's more tiring. And mm. often people have put it down to, oh, you're just relaxing. But like after being so stressed, but sleep doesn't really work like that. You can't really save up your sleep and then like sleep for 200 hours and not sleep for the next 200 hours. Mm. And being tired doesn't compensate in the same way. Mm. So it's, it's, I've put together probably four different things that I've heard to formulate this view on it. It's... um essentially our brains run on autopilot a lot yes and i had never been in this room before Mm -hmm. so my computer is requiring more energy to process this information but like the fat thing the body wants to preserve energy Mm because it doesn't know when that next bit of energy is coming from so for things and scenes that we're familiar with we're not really processing everything 
kind of seeing it and some things are a bit blurry but they don't need to be filled in in any level of detail unless you focus on it mm. and then when you focus on stuff you find yourself more tired mm. because you're using your computer power mm. so when you go to unfamiliar surroundings you're more tired because you're using more processing power which that is makes a lot more of sense. energy mm-hmm. and then when you're saying with your call of the dark thing it's i feel I need to think about it more, but I think there's some tie in there with the way that your brain is telling you default, get to the bottom floor. And there's some way that you're processing energy. It's in that conservation mindset. That's yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna think about that. This mm. I think I think you have a very good explanation as to why if that happens to people, you're processing a lot of information. You you're in a country you've never been to before. There's people that's speaking a language you've never spoken. You're you're being more aware of your surroundings because if you make a mistake, you could get kidnapped or you could die. I don't know. Like you're you're in yeah. unfamiliar territory, you're outside of your comfort zone. And when you're outside of your comfort zone, there is a part of you that is in survival mode. Yeah, but see that survival mode? It, it's that autopilot's turned it is. off. It is. Yeah, you're yeah. now on manual where you're having to pay attention, but you're not mm. You're not in control of that switch. Mm, you're not. It it's just, You don't know it's happening. Yeah. So a lot of these things saying like the pill that get rid of the fat, the this conservation, this auto. If you could control those aspects and be aware of them and be alive to them and be able to manipulate them in your own body, that would be it. And really, why can't we? Like, if we spent enough resources as humans, I feel like that should be possible because something's controlling it. Yeah. Like, it's happening. We know it's happening. So why can't we have the ability to control it? This this goes back to my, um, what I said earlier about some some problems don't have solutions. Mm. We have to accept that. For instance, let's Mm. say that this happens because of our genetic memory. We control every. Let's let's make an assumption here. Okay. Your brain is your control center. Yeah. Go on. Okay. So all the signals. I'm moving my hand, my mm. fingers in this particular way because mm. I'm thinking I want to move it that way, and my brain brain sends signals to my hand, and that's why it's happening. Mm. Nothing else can dictate that uh, this movement uh, other than my brain. Mm. What if there are things that happen? that are not dictated by your brain mm. for genetic memory. Like you said, the auto, what if the autopilot thing is ingrained in the body as a whole and not just in the brain? You know, did you just come up with that? Or have you been listening to someone talk about this? No, I just came up with that. Because that is actually something that the, the genetic memory, the person that I was listening to talk about, it was saying that that's the exact new question we need to be examining that, Maybe this stuff doesn't come from the brain. Mm, yeah. Maybe this is a total yeah, yeah. thing. And it's it could even be communal because they were talking about transactional memory. Okay. How you uh, leave information with different people like their hard drives mm. to later recall it through them and then be able to use that information in a more interactive way. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Maybe this stuff isn't exclusively in the brain in the way that we've just default thought of it. Or in the of soul. Course. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was, I'll try to find this piece of content. I'll send it to you. You'll really enjoy it. It's that guy, the Michael dude. Shermer. Yeah, it's one of his, yeah, all of the I'm already stuff, loving yeah. this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to reach out to this guy. Um, I'm thinking about like recording, not rebuttals, but 
extra thoughts. Okay, yeah, okay. extra thoughts to things that he and his guests say. Because one thing that I find in his podcast, whilst I love them to bits, they seem to be obsessed with labeling everything. Mm. I don't understand why. Mm. It has to be X, has to be Y. But by giving it that name, it doesn't add to the body of knowledge. I think you're like you're trapping it kind of in a label. Yeah, but they seem to really be focused on doing that. And mm, I don't get it mm, mm, mm. because they are, they are skeptics and truth seekers, as they say. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the conversation formulates around trapping it. and but, but that doesn't add to the body of knowledge. That doesn't add to any narrative in the vast majority. In some cases, I guess it does. But often it's not doing anything extra. Like I don't get why you're so hyper-focused and your guests are so hyper-focused. But... I'm not asking to be facetious. I'm asking because I'm genuinely mm. intrigued. Why for someone who is really after this question speaks to so many, and says so many interesting things. What, mm. what am I not seeing? Mm-mm. Yeah, you should do it. I mean, yeah. there's, as I grew up, cause people get put on pedestals, mm. Albert Einstein, mm. right. And justifiably so. But then what it does is it creates like a gap where you can, you, th- you feel like you can never reach that person. And therefore I can never, Mm. whatever thought I give you, I must be the wrong person because you're the expert in this topic. Mm. And that kind of ruins your self-confidence and in, in when it comes to exploring or, mm. or seeking truth. Mm. That's why I'm like, go for it, man. There's one time where I follow this, this imam because I wanted to learn about religion and my sect and all that stuff. And I was very, I was being very scrutinous. Um, is that a word? I was being uh, I'm not sure. meticulous. Meticulous is. Yeah, meticulous about how I want to accept this faith and, and, and not just like be dogmatic about it. Mm. And I always watch his sermons and whatever. And then there's one time he was live and I was a caller. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I just called him and I asked him a challenging question, which he answered. Um, so that kind of, that experience made me think, oh, these people are not that too far away from me. Mm. You know, like... Um, I kind of live my life uh, by the don't ask, don't get. I yeah. reach out to tons of people all the time. Why not? Everyone's yeah. human, baby. Yeah, exactly. I'm not better. I'm not worse. We're all just human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we, we, we want to see what's yeah, next yeah, in this go raffle. On, go on, go on. I feel like it's going to be like a four-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, that's the thing. You're going to have to edit this down. Nobody's really? going to listen to four hours. Uh, we'll see the Joe Rogan ones or even the two hour ones that are like crazy interest. I listen to them repeatedly, yeah, yeah. the ones that I like, but many people I know like, yo, I'm not listening to two hours. I have to convince them to listen to those episodes. I don't think I, I want to leave this uncut. Mm. However, on YouTube, you can put sections on the buffer. So smart. I might do that. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah smart. Cause like I said, it's like archiving my, I'm not, I'm not doing this to cater to an audience. I'm doing this to archive my, our thoughts, mm. you know, the collective. If mm. I cut it, I'm removing, removing a beautiful moment. That I'll never be able to retrieve back. Oh, right? so nice. Yeah. So I was going to talk about theology and the branches of philosophy, such as, um, cause you talked about the, that one, the first thought experiment you gave me with the stone, mm. I immediately thought of teleology and Aristotelian philosophy because mm. they have the idea of what makes a chair a chair, mm. right? There has to be the perfect chair somewhere that exists because at what point does a chair become a chair? Is it when I add that, that leg? Yeah. I, I, there's, um, there's another, I can't remember the name of this. Mm-hmm. It's the same chair. It's, they use the argument of like, was it a, a pile or a mound? Okay. It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. If you've got like, stones at what point is it a pile yeah 
Why well, it's such an interesting crazy. You remove that one or you add that one? When does that become a thing? I'll give you a, a better thought experiment. Let's say you have a ship and you mm. called it. I love a video game called the Oberdin. So I'll call the ship the Oberdin. The Oberdin. Mm. Or let's let's say let's say it's a modern boat for mm. the sake of the. All right. So the boat has an engine. Mm. It has well, I don't know what whatever the boat has the components that the boat has. So now the boat is something happens to the engine. So you move the engine, you replace the engine, and then some other component breaks the railing. You remove it, you replace the railing. Over time, it's not happening all of a sudden, yeah. right? At one point, does the Oberdin stop being the Oberdin? Yes. All right. If I keep replacing yeah. each and every single part, I can then make another ship with the remaining parts that I've had. Does, is that the Oberdin? Yeah. Or is this the Oberdin? The one yeah, that it's so nice. I've come across this before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I think the only value you can take from that is the journey of considering it. Mm. What was the thing you said before? Some things, there's no answers. Yeah. Some problems don't have solutions. Don't problem, yeah. I don't, I think this is less the solution unless someone has a solution. It's more the journey. Yeah. It's yeah. being able to consider it. It's like exercising your mind to being open. So I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to just to be able to debate. I wonder how many people have those debates, like at home over dinner with their family. Here? No. Oh, in general? Generally. I hope a lot. Do you think they do? No. I think it's because the structure of a household is sort of like a hierarchy. Mm. So you have the the, the patriarch, the father. Mm. I don't know, is it the matriarch for the mother? Mm. So you have the matriarch. You have the subordinates, mm. the kids. Subordinates. I'm thinking of this right now. I'm, I'm literally not having Subordinates, any, love it. Yeah, we, you have to listen to what your parents say, mm. right? So it's very like, if you, if you get to a point where you do have this over dinner, it has to be that where the kids have reached an age where they feel like they're competent in having these conversations with their father. Because sometimes, or sorry, with their parents. I say father because I have it with my father. Um, but sometimes... You need to have like like minds. If you have a philosopher father, mm. it's more likely you're going to have these topics than someone who doesn't care. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, I've never really had those opportunities to really have those over dinner. I think we were complaining about this before. Yeah. Like often, it other topics. Yeah, yeah. But I've never been into sport. Yeah. I've never. I just. Yeah. I like playing the sport. Yes, yeah, same. Like I greatly enjoy golf, and when in my, I used to play a sports, physical sports. But now mm. I'm like, yo, I'm not taking an injury. Mm. Everyone I know who plays football in Bahrain, within some period of time, has had a hospital trip. Mm. I'm not. Every doing time that. I play basketball now, every single time I sprain my my ankle. Yeah, I need to like wear some sort of brace or something. Yeah, so like, I used to do uh, Thai boxing, but I'm like. Mm. Yeah, I don't feel like picking up a serious contact sports. Like I'm not into, I really want to do boxing because I feel like, I don't know, I'd be good at it or I like it. Right. But I'm not a fan of the sport because you're just, you're aiming to cause head injuries to other people for sport. It's basically a capitalized, not capitalized, the capitalism version of what gladiators used to do 
mm. for entertainment. It's and it, it's not killing, right? Mm. But sometimes it can happen. Like we only watch or know of boxing matches that happen on TV. There can be underground ones that are getting people sure. killed. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I did the Thai boxing and the more of a yeah defensive self defense. Just exercise. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, for me, that that's why I like I like that kind of stuff. Like for boxing, I want to do that. I want to have a punching bag. Or one that I don't know that that thing that looks Speed like bag. a what's it called the areola the dangling thing in your, uh, like your areola I think right no no areola is like your nipple yeah um what was that it's I think a similar I can't believe I forgot the name but yeah they're called speed bags yeah speed bags mm. I like how I said areola that's such a weird I'm sorry <laughs> tonsil tonsil yeah uh, no it's not a tonsil the thing in the back of your throat is tonsil are you sure yeah. I want to look this up later. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So, what was your what was your next one? Let's All right. See. Yeah. So, I wrote, I wrote a lot of things. I wrote a lot of things. I wrote. Oh, uh, the thing is, maybe they're not the best things to talk about given the trajectory of our conversations because they're I'm intrigued now. They go off of you know philosophy and psychology and all that stuff. All right. Sure. One of them is oh, okay. I want to see which order is the best because I wrote finding the one. Finding the one. Because I heard that you're getting married. Yeah. I watched the Hustle Kitchen. Mm. And as a young man. Yes. There's a constant pressure of, you know, there's that ch- autopilot going back to autopilot. Yeah. You're supposed to go to school from this age to this age, college from this age to this age. When you graduate, you're supposed to get a job. Once you get a job, you're supposed to start a family. Supposed to get married. Do you have that pressure? Yeah. I know way. Mm. I'm, I'm, I think I'm so lucky. My mom never did that to me. She's kind of like. You do you. It's 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 not it's not like the generic, like you have to get married, et cetera, et cetera. It's just there's a certain tonality in my fa- family, the way they talk. It's like subtle hints. Oh, really? Yeah. For instance, you know, shout out to my parents. I'm not I'm not trying to like diss them or anything. But for instance, like for my mom, like, oh, so when, when am I going to be a grandmother? All my friends are grandmothers. You know? Ah, okay. Things like that. Like, like, oh, it's, it's, not, it's a cute, yeah, cute way. It's not like pressuring, like forcing me. Oh, right? yeah. My mom says that to me a lot about having yeah. a child. Yeah. 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 So, okay. I take what you mean. Okay. Good. Yeah. So that, that kind of pressure, because I know she wants to say more but she loves me and she wants the best for me and if she doesn't want to pressure me right so trying to encourage you in a nice encourage way encourage yeah, yeah. yeah and i can see that right it's such a weird human interaction i can tell the mechanism of what she's trying to operate and you know i'm like it's like so meta when i think about yeah. it it's like i'm i'm literally just breaking down it's like breaking the fourth wall to myself <laughs> i don't know how to explain it you, you understand what i'm trying yeah. to get right um so yeah i, I was thinking of Oh, talking about arranged marriage, yeah, traditional way of getting married usually here um, in this part of the world. And I always had talks with my dad about why I'm not a huge fan of it. Really? I think it would be wonderful. I've never tried it, but mm. it sounds wonderful. Yeah, I think for me, so arranged marriages do work, all right? I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying for personally for me, I've always, um, when I make huge decisions or any kind of decision, I need to have the most amount of data I can before making a decision. But isn't that what an arranged marriage is? I'll, kind of. Arranged marriages, basically, I think this person suits you. Get to know them for a few months. And if that's the case, get married. Living 
getting to know someone, let's say even for a year or two, through that barrier of, hey, we, hey, this is just an arranged thing, but we are doing it so we can, you know, there's always an added pressure. Like, well, let's, we also want to please our parents. Uh, that. I never took that into account. Yeah. And so we're both like having that in the back of our head. And mm. maybe one of us doesn't want to say no just because mm. they're pressured. And I, oh, and other person, yeah. There's also living with someone is way different than talking the to them. Of yeah. Because you can't meet each other unless you have someone with you, arranged yeah. marriage wise. So, like, you know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, it does feel a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, it's like having a spectator watch you. It's like it's like a movie. You're it's in a so movie. Awkward. Yeah, it's like a movie, but the, there's no screen. They're just watching oh my God, you. Just watching you. Right. So, so you can't meet up. Out. Things like that. You can't get to know the person. Mm. For me, I have a sort of checklist that I have to have before marrying someone. This she has to meet. This is the bare minimum. Oh really? And it's not. It's not a lot. Oh, is it? Okay. If you don't mind saying. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll let you know. But before I get to that, I just want to finish this point that when you go to one last thing about arranged marriage is there's also that your parents always want the best for you. I know that, right? When you when you um, suggest somebody, I know you think they're a good fit for me. Let's say I listen to you and I take that marriage, take that woman or man for a woman's case. What if it fails eventually? Uh. If it does fail, I'll look back in my life like, man, I shouldn't have listened to my parents. Even mm. though I knew they want the best for me, mm. there's going to be that thing in the back of my head. It's like, man, I, I should have listened to myself and make that decision on my own. Mm. Because if I do, I have nobody to blame except me. Mm. Right? But when you add that person, that third party that can that arranges for me, I'll have somebody instinctually to blame it on. Mm. I don't want to have that for my fa- parents. I never want to blame, blame them for something that they didn't intent on they it's not like they set me up for failure i know that so, but obviously the brain humans are different when it happens it can be a lot of frustration etc words i want to eliminate that possibility too um going back to my checklist i have to give you like context before i say what i want to say so i as i said earlier when i was growing up here very shallow up, upbringing as in like my not in a negative way it's just I never really thought about things in a deeper fashion. Never had meaningful conversations such as the ones we're having now. Um, surrounded by friends talking about generic things that everybody talks about. Excuse me. When I went to America, I told you I met the met Dan Hipschman, Daniel Hipschman, and that's when my life kind of changed. Um, because I didn't know I liked this type uh. of com- conversation until uh. I had it. I'm so grateful because when I look back, I could have been the person that just shut it down. Uh. Right? Like, oh, I'm not interested. It's such a deep thing. Just finish college. But I'm so glad that when I was challenged, I wasn't scared. I met him every day. I wanted to grow. Wanted to be, be that person. I got to a point where, you know, like I said, we were... Equals, kind of. I don't think, I think he's so much smarter than me. But to the point where we can have like a two-way conversation rather than him explaining things to me. Sure. Now, I found that I have, I find so much, so, so much joy having those conversations. I It's bringing me true happiness mm. or fulfillment, mm. right? That's why I did this show. Because mm. I'm, I'm not having those here and I need my fix. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> right? Um I want that in a partner. Not true happiness or the 
the joy in, in talking to them and making and having that person engage in, in a stimulating conversation with me. Yeah. In a two-way conversation. Have you when you talked to your you said you had a niece or a nephew? Yeah, nieces and nephews. Okay. How old? Uh, give me like uh, let's say they had like a, a range from two to eight year old. There's uh the youngest, I think, is Okay, so from the times you've interacted with any child, let's say your nephew or niece. Oh, two, sorry. Two. My, yeah, two. Okay. You notice that you have to lower down your language level in, in order for him to understand you. I have an eight-year-old brother or nine, I think, or eight or nine. He's turning nine soon. No, okay. I actually don't. Okay. I actually speak to them the same way I would speak to you. Okay, that's great. For I me, when I do that... toning it down. Yeah, for me, I... I, for, for that, for my brother to understand me, cause he's never heard the words I, if, uh, uh, I'm using, if I, if I never had to explain to them, right. I have to bring down the concepts for him to understand why this is bad or why this is good because his brain hasn't fully matured yet for him to know. If I do that for so long, I will get frustrated when I want to explain how to read to my kid or to my little brother. It's such a simple thing. I know how to do it. But I can't, sometimes it's hard for me to be empathetic and put myself uh, in their shoes. So I get a little bit frustrated, uh, but I still understand. I set myself out of it and like, they don't know. So teach them. So I have to still lower down my, uh, the, the way I explain things. Have you seen the YouTube videos where quantum computing is, is explained in five different levels? Love them. Right? So it's the same thing. You see how um, my, my joy comes from level five uh, when I talk to somebody. Uh, I do find joy in level four. In level three, a little bit, like, you know, but when it comes to level two and level one, I find joy in teaching, but if I do it for too long, I'll be frustrated. Mm. I cannot stay in this level for too long. Mm. I'm going to sound so conceited when I say, like, I'm when, not I conceited, like, but you're talking about from your experience, the thing that I would say, the thing that's standing out mm -hmm. is you earlier said that we base things on our experience, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is exactly what you're doing. Yes, yes. You're basing your view of happiness on your experience. Mm. But that's with so many new experiences yet to try. I think it was some philosopher dude. Like, I'd rather be a satisfied. Would you rather be a satisfied swine or a dissatisfied human? It's about the pleasures and... Sounds like Plato. Peril of things you don't know. Sounds like Plato. I'm not sure which one it was. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Kant. I don't know. Oh, probably him. Some dude. I don't know. I was so, uh, so many years ago I studied this stuff. But in any event, so you said you wanted to talk about relationships. Like, what's your question? Here? Yeah. So the, I'm going to my checklist, right? Yeah. So when I limit my language, it gets frustrating. I don't want to have my partner be someone I have to limit my thoughts and my language in order for me to meet them in the same level of conversation. Purely conversation. That's the only thing. Conversation, just like thoughts in general. Like if I want to make decisions, life decisions about kids, about things like that. Mm. If I want to watch a show together, mm. like these small, like things I do, we do for joy. Right. Mm. Because I, the way Dan talked to me about this, like arranged marriage, if you think about it beforehand, it was, a survival mechanism. Yeah. Right. You had plagues, you had all these things are, you know, diseases, people going to war and battles. You didn't have the internet to communicate and find different people. People did it 
as a means of survival, yes. right? You get married, get married to a man, whatever, and let them provide and, and, and be safe. Mm. We don't have that, you know, for most of the world, thankfully. We don't have that f- fear anymore. Yes. We've surpassed that. Now it comes to small things, reading mm. books, watching movies, playing chess, doing all these small things that bring you joy in, in a marriage, in, in, a, in a marital life mm. that I feel like we've reached beyond, which is, which is why I'm saying it's fine if you want to do that. If you're complacent, arranged marriage, and you're fine with that, do, go for it. I feel like for me, I've reached to a point and because of my experiences in America and everything that I've reached to a point where I can't, there has to be more to marriage. It's not just, I want a wife that can, can um, cook well, do laundry, all the stereotypical, you know, things that people want <coughs> from a wife. Yeah. I need something more. I need, mm. I need a wife who can, I can talk to and find joy in, in, in having conversation, read mm. books together. Mm. And, and it doesn't, I don't have to like lower my, I want to say intellect or intelligence or language, but for the lack of a better term, I'll, I'll say that lower my intelligence in order to talk to, talk to them. Right. Mm. It's going to sound like this guy's being sexist because he thinks all women know. Obviously our women are smart. Right. I'm just saying it's, it's with an arranged marriage. If that, if I can find that person through an arranged marriage, I'll do it, right? But um, it's hard. It's hard because the the culture, and we talked about this in the early, earlier. There's nobody that talks about these things. Mm. Nobody's interested in these things in, the, in this culture. Mm. And if there are, it's hard to find. It's not. There's not like a dating culture for Arabs, yeah. right? You don't unless you use that Nasibi app. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's doing yeah. very well, by the way. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. Save you, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what, what's your fear? What's your question here? Yeah, I so understand my, what you're saying. That's my that's that's my checklist. Like that that thing that I want in a person. Like the way I talk to Daniel mm. and have so much joy, I can talk for five hours. I want that in a, in a life partner. Yeah, that's right? a good thing to want. Yeah, that's like I'm very very serious about this. If I, if, if it'll take me 10 years to find this person, I'll wait 10 years. Why do I have to go through the checklist of, oh, I'm supposed to have kids before I'm 30 or 35? There's nothing. I'm very non-conventional. Yeah. I didn't have children. I've, I've, I've kind of followed my enjoy, but I would say I understand where you're coming from, mm. but that's not the way that I've chosen my life partner. Mm-mm. It sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but she makes me want to be the best version of me, which, uh, people will say like cliche, but yeah, that's good. It's good. It, it is because she also inspires me to do, I try to be a being that's open to new experiences, mm. but like anyone, maybe I'm not always that guy. And she, she does help me find joy be good and accepts me broadly for who I am mm-hmm. more than most people I've encountered. I think except, truly accepts and doesn't try to, I don't know. Yeah. Just she's, she's not perfect as nobody is. Mm-hmm. As, uh, perfection is unknowable. Yes. And I'm not perfect, mm-hmm. and nor would I want to be. Can you imagine being perfect? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How terrible that would be. Mm-hmm. But the joys we have will range from watching a crappy movie, which she subjected me to the other day. I, read, I asked her why we watched it. She said sometimes it's good to watch a terrible movie. 
And I was like, you know, I never would have done that. Thank you for that experience. Mm-hmm. And I accepted it for what it was. And her passions of we have some mutual and some different, but I like that there aren't all the same. I think that's something when you're you're not accounting for is the newness that this person will open you to, similar to how this chap you met in America has fundamentally broadened your horizon and where you see happiness. How do you know that wouldn't happen again? Good point. Very, very good point. And I want to I want to respond to that. Go on. So I noticed when I, when I came back, I was Dan Hipschman here. Okay. <laughs> and not in the sense that I'm as smart as him, yeah. but I'm a person that is willing to talk to someone who is not as experienced in these topics. I want to bring them in as a mentee to eventually become a teacher or student surpasses as a master kind of. I didn't surpass that, but I'm just saying as a, right? When I keep on trying to find people, I can't. And it's frustrating. That's why I talk to him every two weeks. That's why I'm looking for guests like you. Like, ah, oh, I need to have this guy here. Right. Um, if I have a partner who is like that, that wants to be JJ, who was in freshman year. There's probably an easy way to do this. Uh, in, wherever the university, they're studying psychology for the doctorate. Mm-hmm. Go enroll. You're going to meet that person. Uh, I don't feel like spending <laughs> PhD money. Um, no, go to some lectures because sure be, there is. because there's like other other checklists, right? Because there's also she has to be Muslim, etc. These yeah, university in Bahrain. In Bahrain, they're gonna be Muslim. Oh, okay, in Bahrain. I thought you meant like in the US. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm in here. How about this? Because you're gonna be, have a PhD. How about you go and meet some, um, you know, make some female friends and then tell them, hey, I think this guy's a good fit. It's a good fit. Uh, matchmaker <laughs> yeah. is probably the last thing I would ever, <laughs> ever be. I think it's on the whole, I try not to give people advice. So I think. The, I think you're, see, that's the thing. You know what you remind me of the statement I said earlier? What, uh, full men say they're wise. Wise men know that they're fools. You're 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 showing me the latter now. You're saying, "Oh, I don't know if I'm the best person to give advice." That means you're wise because you think you're a fool when it comes to advice. No, oh, I think I've probably just given bad advice so many times. I'm like that, nah, 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 nah. it's better let everyone do themselves. <laughs> let everyone do themselves. Like the so best setting someone up in a relationship. Oh no, no, the, that's your the life. best. The best way to do advice I've noticed. Is to give them advice and say, but I don't know at the end. You can write a whole paragraph on WhatsApp. I think you should do this, but I don't know. Don't quote me. So if, there's no strings attached. Oh my God. I think <laughs> I've just repeated to so many people so many times, you know, I think you just need to, why don't, you know, the teach the person how to fish rather yeah, than giving yeah, a fish. I say that a lot. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, how about we meditate together and I help you find how to be happy instead? Mm, mm, mm. And I just said this to a friend last week. She's like, oh, I'm busy. Maybe next weekend. I'm like, okay. I don't think she's going to take me up. Yeah. There's a lot of people also that when they come to you for advice in a particular situation I give them, they keep coming back with the same problem. I'm like, are you here to listen or are you here to vent? Right? Oh, Some yeah. people they just don't want advice. Just one event. Just one event. Yeah, I find it hard to know the difference between those conversations mm. until I'm told this is not a solution situation. Oh my god! Yeah, you so are... I've brought out in learning this truth now 
in my relationships, mm. I try to solve. Well, no, I try oh. to have a better way of framing. Uh, oh, I'm, now you mean now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So now I, I, I will say at the start of the conversation, is this a situation where you want me to listen or we're looking for a solution? Mm. So I yes. know which one to give I you. do that too now. I used to, cause yeah. I'm such a solutions based person. Mm. I always, I have to find the answer. Mm. I have, there must be a solution. Right. And then that ruins so many like friendship, not ruined, but like tainted so many friendships because I don't want a solution. I just want uh, 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 to vent. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I often don't understand. I just yeah. got told off the other day, but she's like, I don't think your friend wants a solution here. They just want you to listen. I'm like, why would they want me to listen? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I, I get that it feels good, but don't you want to avoid this? And if you, it's like something like, I, but I have to like give them, it's, it's, oh my God. Yeah. This is like a can of worms. Yeah. Man. It's very frustrating. I find, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's also part of the, the joy of why I was doing the humanistic laws is because I don't understand some stuff. Mm. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, if you have a problem, work out the solution. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see speaking about it ad nauseum helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like some, sometimes it makes sense. Like let's say there's something you cannot change at all. Like you have a crappy boss, you try to talk to your boss, but you're still being crappy. You've tried everything. Then you can come to me. I'm saying then you can, you can do whatever you want. If you want to talk to me. Right. But to me, like I won't get frustrated because I know there's nothing you can do and you just want to rant and it's something you're bottled up and you want to have a cathartic experience by talking to me. That's fine. Sort of like going to the gym, ranting can, can do that for people. Right. Um, but there's people that they're asking for a solution, mm. asking for a solution or advice, and then they come back with the same things. That bugs me because it feels like I'm just talking into deaf ears. Uh, like it's just going here and coming out here. And it's, I was also talking about this briefly with a friend of mine who came on the show. If language is such a weird thing. Mm, big time. Right? The way we communicate, I said this, I feel like I'm re- repeating what I said verbatim. Um, Cause even the tone and the way I lilt my, my voice <laughs> sounds, it's kind of giving me like a flashback. The way we communicate is legit by me coming up with sound waves using my uh, vocal cords, mm. sending it to you. They're tra- traveling through space in a particular order that I've set them based on my pitch. Mm. It's hitting your eardrum and you're deciphering, right? You're decoding th- mm. that signal. And your brain saying, oh, this probably sounds like this and this and this. And that's what, and these words in this particular order means this, mm. right? I have to trust you to, to, because, because the way I think I'm trying to take something so abstract, which are my thoughts, trying to make a physical reaction and, 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 and encase them in language, yeah, in something crazy, that's physical, that? right? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you're appreciating this, yeah. right? Uh, this is shower thoughts, by the way. <laughs> I'm encasing the, this abstract thing into a tangible thing, which, which are the waves, and I'm sending it to you. And then the, and the order in which I place these words play a role in how you receive the message. Yes. If we were telepathic creatures, you would immediately understand what I'm thinking without and exactly how I'm feeling to the T, right? Because yeah. you'll just, you'll just, just feel know. what I'm feeling. You'll just know. Have you watched... Um, um, What's that Netflix show? Black Black Mirror. Black Mirror. No, I don't watch it. Okay, There's I've been one, told many times to watch it, but I haven't. There's seen one it. episode I think you'd like. It's called Black Museum. It's oh yeah, really good. So there's a doctor that can wear a headset that make him feel that makes him feel exactly what his patients are feeling, so that he can assess what's the issue, what's huh. the injury, and he can fix it. Right. 
um, but it has a dark twist after. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're not like that. I cannot do that. Right. So but we have a social contract in which I'm trust. I'm trusting that this package I'm sending you is uh, you're decoding it and you're taking it the way I intended. I'm, 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 Counting on your brain and your experience to bridge that gap, to close that gap in knowledge uh. using that, that package I sent you. Uh. Do I know that you got what I intended? I don't know. Uh. You could have. There are things that are easier to decode. If I say I am your father, there's no, it's not uh, an ambiguous statement I'm saying, uh. right? Well, there are other things, such nuances in relationships and friendships that I can go south pretty quickly. And the more you remove um, layers of communication. So if I move from, Talking face to face to text, yeah. I'm moving such an important. Con- I, I tell people all the time, there's no tonality in a in a message. Yeah, Be careful of how you communicate. Yeah, and and that can cause a lot of strain in in, in friendships and relationships, yeah. right? Um, I feel I'm actually like, writing a book about communication. Writing a book? What yeah. are you calling it? Uh, Goal based communication. Okay. Uh, I, I, I've changed the title a few times, but essentially, the thing you're talking about whether it's messages, relationships, mm. whoever, the, a tool you can employ to be more successful. Mm. Yeah. More successful in your communication is to not communicate for you. Mm-hmm. If you speak with, for you in the way that you want, often you'll be misunderstood. But if you speak for them, with the goal in mind, and then I, I walk through some tools on how to do this, then clarity, like you're saying, how do you know they're understanding you? You're giving it from your experience the way you want, and mm. that's where a lot of the time the problem happens because they're not you, and that's they won't understand. But if they were you, if it's exactly you sitting with you, they're like, that's great, that's a good yeah. communication. And often it's like a a text message conversation, but then with the real person, mm. because you're not speaking the right way for that person to receive that information. That's correct. Have you, it reminds you of a book, by the way. Sorry? It reminds me of a book. Uh, which one? Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yes. Yeah. yeah good book. Yeah. Very good book. Yeah. It talks about not autopiloting, which is something I... Yeah. I'm trying to my best. It's one of those books I have to read more than once. Too. It, yeah, there's, there's a... There's a great many of those, but one of the, like you were saying, innovation in the modern day, audiobooks. Mm. I can't do audiobooks. Can't uh, do audiobooks. The only time I can do audiobooks is when I'm like going on a walk. I love reading. Because mm. when, when I read, I have this kind of narrator in my head. Once you remove that narrator in my head and you're giving a, a specific person that's reading it out loud, it kind of, it's, it's adding like an obstacle in my imagination. Oh, really? Mm. The only what but audiobooks aren't always bad. I like audio lessons. So when I want to learn Spanish, I'm using this audio lesson package called Pimsleur. Mm. Amazing. 30 minutes per day. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only done one uh, just to assess whether I want this or not. So good. So good. So good. Um, so it depends. I, I, I like books. I like, I never grew up reading. Never was taught that uh, skill. Really? Yeah. So I tried to develop it at a very young age. I read a lot of Goosebumps. I don't know if you've heard those. I I was, I was recently told about this Goosebumps thing. I did yeah. not know it. I have a whole, I'll show you that it's a whole drawer inside there stacked full of Goosebumps. As a yeah, I, I, I wasn't a thing when I grew up. Yeah, so I, I read those. 
Um, that's how I got better at English reading um, and watching Hollywood, playing video games. If I bring my brother, no offense to him, but if I brought my older brother, you'll see like a differences in art and the way we speak English. Actually, if I will go back, I wish I could, because I was a clean slate, a tabula rasa, if you, I don't know if you've heard that before, a clean slate. Um, I could have picked up any accent, mm. but I've, I've took the American accent because of the media that they produced and I'm consuming. Mm. If I could go back, I would have a British accent. Oh, really? It sounds so sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to try to attempt one, but I always do. You know, those. it is being in London. You don't appreciate it because yeah. everyone has it. Yeah. Yeah. But Once you re- go out. <laughs> each, yeah. Each accent says where you are from in England. And even in London, if you're from central London or North yeah. or East or South or even the, so anyone who uh, is from London will know exactly where I'm from. Mm. But here, man, and in America, actually, it is wonderful to have a British accent in America. Yeah, yeah. I've had the best times. Yeah, yeah. It's like times. you feel like such a sophisticated person. Like, yeah, you get a lot of um, people are very nice to you. <laughs> people are very, very nice to yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like there's a name, there's a probably a bias for that, like a name for that bias. Because, you know, there's a Anglophile. bias. Okay. I think, yeah. Okay, because there's like also that bias where people will hire you if you're more attractive than other people. Yes. Yeah, that's a name for it. There's the sunk cost bias. I like to learn. Yeah, that, that, yeah, there's those biases. Yeah. But they also, some of these biases can make you into a very strange, strange person. I'm trying to remember those. Did you ever watch 30 Rock? Yes. Do you Not remember? A lot. Did you ever see the episode where the female lead, Liz Lemon, was dating a very attractive man? who didn't know he was attractive and he was experiencing life differently from the point of view of someone who was actually, attractive. I was ready to say there's no way I remember any episode because I was a, a kid, but that's actually ringing a bell. Is she blonde? No. Like, oh no, she's a, she's a redhead or like brown brunette. Yeah. 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 She, she acts in, um, in orange is a new black now as another. Oh, she a, does. I've never seen I it. I think so. I think if we're thinking about the same person, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't she know. She's got like, like a little bit of a chubby face, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's one, a few episodes. I remember that. I remember an episode where she brings in a guy I don't, and he's attractive. I don't remember, I don't remember the part of him being oblivious to the fact that he's attractive. Yeah. And he just has a great time in life and doesn't realize that everyone is not having such a wonderful time handed to them. Mm. But yeah, the, the British accent in America does kind of, uh, Make things just a bit nicer. Yeah. It's weird though when people come up to you and like, oh, can you say my name? I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. I have a few friends in England. I have one. I don't know if you, how familiar with the, ge- with the geography of England, because I'm not. So I don't know if this is like a very obscure place or not. Northumbria. No, I've, I'm, I've never been there, okay. but I've heard of it. Yeah, he lives there. His name is Daniel Teasdale. I was going to say, if this is a Bahraini living in Northumbria, no. why? No, no. He, yeah, that's a British guy I met through Call of Duty editing. I used, I used, to, do, I used to do video editing. I still uh, do sometimes. I used to do Call of Duty video editing on YouTube and we met that way. Oh, really? And we still talk a few days. Ago, um, you know? From what I know of it, there's a lot of countryside there. Yes. But he likes to mountain bike. Yeah, there's not very much anything else. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm an urban person. I mean, Bahrain is an urban island. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I think the only people who are in Northumbria are the people who are born there. Mm. But nobody's going to Northumbria. I feel like for I'll, anything. I feel like I'll split this podcast into two episodes. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a better thing to do. Right? Let's do it. 
It's very interesting. Yeah, because we the first part was a lot of psychology. Yeah, I think it's nice to touch on some lighter topics as well. Yeah, we've so I think people I, I come across too serious often. I get told this a lot. That that's a problem in Bahrain, right? Yeah. When we talk about these things, is what we put a label on us. Yeah, I've got. I, they, what do they call it with the resting bitch face? I'm yeah, like, yeah. People think I'm just angry. It's just a neutral look. I have it's, that. It's too. a look of no emotion. Yeah, I I tend to smile a lot and it hurts my face. <laughs> like, I've been smiling; like it's, my face is hurting it right now. But oh, I feel well. like I'm having a good time, right? Yeah, so yeah. I smile a lot. But when I do have a resting bee face, it's very uh, people think I'm always angry or, or, or like sad or something. Yeah, I'm like no, I'm no, just, it's just indifference, yeah, just indifferent. nothing. Yeah, it's nothingness. Nothingness. Yeah, there's the look of nothingness. Yeah. yeah. Another. If you want to keep going, there's one more. Let's have a look at time. All right. Sure. All right, there's one more. Talking about investing and being financially smart. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll start us off. Go ahead. So Dan Hibschman, I keep mentioning this guy. <laughs> he's uh, um, he's very into finance. He majored in finance and accounting. I think he double majored. Um, he did his CFAs and all that stuff. He's bright. He taught me about investing and stuff. I didn't know anything about that. And so I feel like... A lot of people who are younger don't understand the importance of investing. And I feel like everybody says this. Everybody says, oh, you need to invest. And, um, but nobody actually teaches you how. And people are saying it just for the sake of saying it. No, oh, definitely. To think that they're like definitely. financially smart. And I'm yeah. not trying to bash on them. Like if you're, you're still giving out a good message as a consequence, mm. even if you're being a, a little bit hypocritical mm. that you're not investing. Um, but... Uh, it's crazy to me how people don't understand how I think it's because of crypto mm. a little bit. It's making people dumb. People are jumping ship, not jumping ship, they're jumping on the crypto trend because they saw that insane return in short term. Yeah, to see how much it jumped Bitcoin last like week though. Yeah, like 62K right now, 63K US dollars. 65. 65, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a short term investor. I was not an investor before him, but when I met him, he taught he taught me the power of compound interest mm. and investing at a young age. Mm. Right? It's like exponential, builds up on itself. That's what I'm doing. So I made a whole 20, 25 year plan on an Excel sheet. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I can show it to you later. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it propagated itself, right? It, I mean, it populated itself. So I just had to put a f- formula and an mm. initial like amount, and then drag it down to 25 uh, rows. So each row, oh, actually each row is a month. So it's going to be a lot of rows. It's a lot of rows. Yeah. So I'm investing in mutual funds. And I think that's people, that's like the thing you should do. Uh, you're fami- are you familiar with? I am, but okay. I've taken a very different approach in life. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So for me, what I'm doing is half of my salary, I invest in the mutual, in the mutual fund. Before, it used to be like 30% or 20% would be in crypto and 30% in um, mutual fund. But now, because the way I think about it is when, when you're investing in mutual fund for people who don't know, you're basically giving your money to like a, a fund manager. They're taking um, people from all kinds of places. They're taking all your money, putting in this one fund, and they're taking money and spilling it up and investing it in different companies, depending on where you are, for me, it's around the world. But some uh-huh. people, it's just companies around America uh-huh. or top five Fortune 500 companies, which is S&P 500, I think. Um, 
So but you're basically in, in, investing in the economy. And if you look in throughout the throughout history, economy always goes up eventually. Even if there's a recession, 2008. If you're looking long term, big picture. Yeah, it's it's going it's unless there's like a third world war or something like that, right? It's not like 100%, but it's very safe. Economy always goes up, especially now we're in the cusp of VR AI, all that stuff, machine learning and big data and cloud computing. Like we're moving on to the next phase of, of civilization and technology. And so investing in it is going to be huge. So that's that's why I'm investing in it because it's safe and it's guaranteed, quote unquote guaranteed, right? Uh. Or an asterisk I'll put there, right? Um, the, the math I did, so what I did is, like I said, 50% of my salary. And I did 7% yearly rate of return, okay. which is which is safe because I'm accounting for inflation. Usually people go for eight or nine, which is pretty, nine is pretty high. Nine and 10 pretty, pretty high, I, I think. I mean, seven. Seven is like pretty safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I went for a safe. Like this is like based on historical data I've seen, seven is very safe. That's, I want it to be the, the lowest, which plan is going to make me a millionaire by the time I'm 40, 45 with this rate of return. Right, safest. So that's why I did twenty-five year plan, and the number I came up with, um, I'm going to invest three hundred thousand something dollars. I'm going to get back three point four million dollars. Okay, that's pretty good. That's that's the plan, right? And what do you think about like this kind of like short term versus long term? Depends what you want in life. Mm-mm. Like the world was a very different place when I was your age. Like uh, I wanted to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the experiences and I wanted to see things, do things. And, uh, you know, travel is one of the greatest educations you'll get exploring different cultures. Mm-hmm. So I paid for my way through uni and law school. And then I started traveling the world, trying to work out like what I want to do with life. Mm. And if I had been a bit more, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest in this thing long term. You know, yeah, I would be making those decisions, but yeah. I just didn't. I would said I've never really been money driven, mm. and I know it's not the most sensible thing to do. I'm fully aware that is a much more stable way yes. to live life. But I've just always just gone after happiness first, which was how I've invested my money as well. It's just, okay, I could put it into funds or I'll start a business. Mm. And I'm not aiming that this business will make me millions. I'm aiming that I'll be able to employ some people and they'll be able to support their families and I'll be happy and I'll be able to offer value. Yes. And I'll do something that I think is interesting with my time. But in terms of the short-term returns, Whenever it comes to investing, I think the greatest advice, I think is Warren Buffett. One of these chaps said, look, uh, I don't think it was him actually. If you're investing money short term, it's gambling. He probably said that, Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> and that invest money you don't need. Yeah. If this is money that's going to change any aspect of your life, do not be doing in short-term investments with that money. Do not. Do yeah. not. It doesn't matter how much it is, but if this is like going to stop you from paying the bills or whatever the thing that you've got, then you shouldn't be short-term investing because mm. it's just it's just gambling. Mm-hmm. And no one knows. Mm. 
Like yeah. literally, no matter how many, how educated, how experienced, nobody knows. True. It's all roulette. And if that wasn't true and one person did know, they would have won. They would be a multi-trillionaire and own everything. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that person. There's just a few people who have done very well from making some lucky and smart decisions. Mm. But there's nobody knows. True. These fund managers lose tons of money of all course. the time. But like you said, the S&P ones, these big companies, even though they make I mean, some of them make profits, some of them don't. Like Tesla, they make a loss in each car, don't they? Yeah. But they, like, they, the money that is invested in Tesla wasn't to do with its profitability to begin with. It was to do with his vision, and people mm. just believe. So, if you, what would the fund manager's reason be to invest in that company? Like, there's a yeah. Yesterday, I was talking to this uh, Barini. Uh, he started as a gamer. Now does crypto advice? Do you know Allah? Kazasuk? I heard of Kazasuk, yeah. Yeah, so the chat behind it. Okay. I was talking to him. Uh, uh, we're doing some work together tomorrow, in fact. Okay. And uh, what did he tell me as well? Is uh, talking about investments. What did he say? Some of the very smart about investments. Because he's advising people on crypto. But basically, like... Uh, You gotta, you gotta be careful. Oh yeah, invest in something you believe in. Like mm. we were talking about Solana. Have you heard of Solana? So it's a coin. It's got some interesting thing like Ethereum two point cooler. Yeah. When that one comes out, yeah. Defo, I'm Defo jumping in, and Solana as well. He he said he had put a lot of money into it. And he said, "I believe in the vision of what they're doing." Because I said to him, "Are oh, you jumping in?" Because I've, I've heard many people talk about this is the like the next Bitcoin. Like it's. $156 for one now, mm. but it's got the potential of being 65000 for one. I, I always get skeptical when people say that. Always. Yeah, but this is like Ethereum. You know you know what the difference of Ethereum 2 is? Yeah. Like what's happening in the it's technology? Like, from what I can tell is that it's like predictive. Um, so the issue I think it's trying to solve is, is cryptocurrency is causing a lot of it's it's taking a lot of energy, yeah. drawing a lot of energy. Yeah. And so what crypto, what Ethereum 2.0 is trying to do is it looks at your machine, sees how much it potentially can mine, and it just gives you that. And it locks your it, machine. It, it locks your it. machine, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the time it takes for it to. Yeah. Which is going to be amazing. Yes. Because uh, when was it? When Tesla pulled out of crypto, they're like, oh, it's not green. Yeah. Now it's green. Everyone's going to dump money into it. It's going to be a massive boom on that one. Solana does something with smart contracts that I researched blockchain a lot for work. And I remember Solana solves, I think it's the rate of transactions because of the, the gas price on smart contracts and the how many you can do. It didn't make sense on scale, blockchain. When you're talking about financial transactions, when you're really talking about like visa level transactions, mm. but I think Solana's solving that problem. Mm. So with the right adoption, which it looks like it's going to get, it'll be something. All right. So you heard it from Omer. Invest in was it Soldano? Solana. Solana. They're they the SOL. I'm not. No, no. I'm not saying. It, 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 if you invest <laughs> kidding, in this, look at it as gambling. Yeah, of course. Pure gambling. Yeah. So or, or like what's 156 in BD? That's what like 50 BD. 
what what was the one hundred and fifty six dollars? That's what like six, yeah, 70? it's like fifty sixty. So if you went to a nice restaurant, that's what dinner for two. Mm. So you could have dinner for two, or one coin that do might it. do very well. Yeah, in some period of time. Of course, like I heard about a guy in Bahrain who invested in Bitcoin ages ago and had sat on these coins for such a long time. He said he bought a pizza for two Bitcoin. <laughs> I, want to tell you, I want to tell you a story and then we can, we can wrap this up because I know you got to leave. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, when I was younger, I had access to the internet and watched YouTube videos. It's a long time ago. I'll say 14, so 10 years ago, maybe even before a little bit. I used to watch, I was interested in crime videos okay, and like um, dark web videos. Oh, wow. I wouldn't go to the actual dark web and watch the videos. I just watch people talk about it, right? These theories and all that stuff. And they talk, there's one YouTuber, I forgot his name, but he always talked about counterfeit money. Okay. And he said that what people do, how do people pay for this? They use Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is untraceable. Uh, Well, it's not untraceable. I think he said it's like just decentralized currency. It is untraceable. Until the wallet comes back to the, the network. Wall- yes. Yeah. So at that time, it's like people, that's what criminals use to buy counterfeit or they just do these crimes or just buy things that are illegal, but they're not that bad, right? Uh, I was very interested. And then this, he said Amazon actually um, accepts Bitcoin. At the time, it did. I was like, oh, I wanted to own Bitcoin just for the heck of it, not mm. to use it to buy anything. Because mm. it sounds cool. Like, you know, it's, I feel like I'm like a badass <laughs> illegal guy has like BTC Bitcoin. So I told my mom, at that time, keep in mind, Bitcoin cost like 100 fills or something. Yeah, I was going to say, this is when it was cheap, right? Very, it's the cheapest. Okay, promise you, I promise you this happened. I told my mom, can I get your credit card so I can buy like a, a few hundred Bitcoin? It's not too much, like 10 BD, whatever, right? She said, no, I don't want to put my card on the internet. Oh, no. And I tell my mom the story. Now, I said, mom, if you, if you know what would happen if you giving me that money, I would have been a millionaire. I, I, I wasn't going to buy like one or two. I was going to buy like 20 BD worth or something at that time. Mm. It's hundreds of coins, right? I tell her this and she says, I remember. She said, I remember and I regret. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one as a parent. Like, oh no. And you know what sucks? After that, my sister grew up a little bit and she got her laptop and everything. We were playing Club Penguin. She then allowed my, my sister to use the car to buy like some sort of igloo or um, some sort of like accessory for her penguin and club penguin. Okay. I'm like, now you put your card? Now you decide you put your card? <laughs> uh, oh my God. If, if, if that time uh, frame was different, if you let me, uh, I didn't uh, think of Bitcoin at that time after she bought it, I like, forgot about it at that point. Yeah. And then when, when, it, when it skyrocketed, when I was in college, I'm like, is that the same coin? And I looked it up, like, it is the same coin. Ah. That's yeah. frustrating. You'll yeah. think about that. You got you got to try not to think about that. Yeah, that's I'm not, not that bothered. Crazy. Yeah, not that bothered. Well, thank you so much for having thank me. You. This thank has been super interesting. Yes, I'm. Did you enjoy it? I did. I'm glad you did. I did. I, I did. had a feeling we would enjoy it. And this is yeah. like a lot, by far. This is the, we, we had to pause, and we've reached since since the pause an hour and twenty two minutes. Oh, wow. It's not accounting to what was before the pause. Am I? So this could be at least. I hope three you hours. enjoyed it. I loved it. I, I really want to talk forever. It. Yeah. When whenever you put this online, please share it with me of and all of the other interviews. I really want to say them. Of course, of course. October twenty fifth is the October first episode. 25th. I'll send it to you. It's in five days. Okay, Ricky. How how frequently are you going to publish? Depending on the guests, because I have a lot of guests guests flaking on me and not showing up. So. Oh really? Yeah. Or yeah, postponing. So 
I, I wanted to do it like twice a week. Uh, the, the reason why I have people come before the release is to, to have a backlog to help me make content. Yeah, we uh, record a lot more than we publish. Yeah, so I want to do that. Um, but uh, when we when I get to the point where I catch up, that's where I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to do it twice? Is it going to be too much for mm. the editing? Is it too much pressure? Or mm. It might be weekly. Mm. I want to see how people react to it. I don't really... I care about people's opinions, but I also don't care because mm. it's not my goal isn't to mm. make it a business. Mm. If it does, it does. That's why. Uh, if it happens, it happens. I was gonna say that's why I don't I don't cuss here. Yeah, but I also don't cuss because you know p- parents and all that stuff. Family. Yeah, I, I would say it's just nicer not to on the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. If you want people, you want to let people know what's going on in your life, like you have your you have a marketing agency. I do. Talk- uh, yeah, it's called Ola. Yeah. Ola the agency. You can uh, look us up. We're on uh, the internet and stuff. Uh, we do a range of stuff. We're so we're like uh, I coined the phrase psychographic. We're psycho advertisers because we do psychographic advertising. Okay. Uh, so we think about who the customer is. Um, our work is in video. Uh, we do filmmaking. That's my photography. Yeah. yeah, you should see it's my hobby. Stuff. Yeah. We just had um, the first, I think it's the first Arabic video on Rolls-Royce Global Page go oh. up. Yeah. We, so they loved our stuff. Oh, We're nice. doing some more work with Rolls-Royce soon. So we work with like restaurants, apps, uh, websites, and we do their marketing or videos or influence. We do a ton of, tomorrow I'm doing some influence stuff for mm. a bank, I think. Okay. So shooting some ads for a bank. I think we're doing some food photography tomorrow as well. I love the food photography uh, a lot because the foods we work with more of a premium market, mm. so the food's always ridiculously good. And you get to eat it, right? Um, in some shoots, some shoots okay. is a bit torture oh, because wow. it's not made for eating. It's oh not- yeah, I see. Yeah, it's like techniques to make it for photos. Um, honestly, it's just saving. I don't like to waste stuff, and mm. if you've got a dish that's out for a long time, because there's a pit, you don't take the picture in one minute. Yeah, like of course. We take maybe an hour a photo, maybe mm. sometimes three, mm. and people have to touch it, move it around. You're not going to want to eat yeah, that food yeah. afterwards. It's just been too handled. Yeah. So uh, you can't eat, so you just have to stare at this. It is the thing, but it's just... It's del- it looks delicious. You, you don't want to touch something to, that's yeah. been breathed all over for three hours and, yeah, yeah. and handled. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm so hungry, but I have to look at this cake. Mm. You're the second person I've had. Last guest I've had was also co-founded a marketing agency. Oh, really? Only recently, though. So Which it's one? Like, it's called Carolina Mir. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They just partnered up with Local BH. Um, they I... got acquired by Local BH. Or, they, I don't know, some acquisition happened. Oh, merger. Really? It's a merger. It's a merger. Yeah, yeah. between local and, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, Saad's a nice chap. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to have him on. So oh, yeah? We'll see. We'll see. I'll... Yeah, I'm sure he'll be more than happy to come on. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, he's an interesting dude. Yeah. Yeah, I've known some years. All right. Well, All hopefully right. you'll come back again. I feel like it's not, it doesn't have to be a different guest every time. I can have recurring guests. So hopefully. <laughs> Let me know. I'm uh, available. Of course. Of course. All right. All right. Thanks, buddy.